This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Material is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, I'm Fiona Anastas from Hilo. I'm a material specialist. And what I love about materials is the opportunity that they've given me to draw connections between other areas of study that I've done. So chemistry, physics, design, mathematics. Uh, hi, I'm Elodie Tano. I'm part of Hilo. I'm also a material specialist. What do I love about materials? I don't know, in fact. <laughs> The relationship I have with them, what they can express, and the fact that they are everywhere, they are everything. For brands, finding the right materials to design and manufacture products, much less to know if those products are even possible, can be a real challenge. That's where material specialists come in as a resource and a guide to knowing where to source materials, the right materials to use, and the latest innovations. Coming up, you'll hear a fascinating discussion with two material specialists and learn about how materials can play a role in humans becoming immortal, how the finite nature of resources can affect material selections, why food is closely related to materials, materials in outer space, and the dream of never-before-discovered materials. This is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Powered by Sennheiser. Your hosts for this episode are Stephanie Benedetto and Samantha Cortez. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you. So, when I went to your company Hilo website, um, it was fascinating because there wasn't much information there at all. And so, I wonder if there was a, a reason for the secrecy around it, and what exactly you're doing as materials people for this company. There was a reason behind it. We talked a little bit about um, screaming by whispering. Um, so materials are very personal to us, very visual, very tactile. And we didn't necessarily believe that explaining that in words was the best way to do that. So you'll notice there's very big, splashy, emotive images. And yeah, that was intentional. Um, in terms of what we do, um, it's really anything to do with materials. That's really what grounds us together and um, with everything that we do. So it's everything from finding a material replacement for a particular material challenge that a company might have to um, giving a lecture or a workshop um, that is using material as stimuli or creating an exhibition that's based around materials and products. And I think one of the most interesting things I saw in your kind of deck that you shared was a picture of a watch. We all wear a watch, right? But what, you know, what is it about the materials and what went into that watch that made it so unique and that, that told the story of, of something greater? Well, I think the watch was... Uh... Actually, I'm not wearing one. <laughs> I'm not either, actually. <laughs> um, it was just uh, kind of a uh, an artifact or something that uh, we used um, that is indeed a product that many people can uh, have or know about. And uh, it was just uh, one way to express what we see when we look at things. 
as material specialists. So within the deck, uh, yes, there is this watch that is kind of like, okay, it refers to kind of a brand that you may all know now, but uh, straying to be kind of neutral. And what we show in the deck is what we guess most people see when they look at such a product. It's a watch, maybe the functions. Um, it gives time and many more functions nowadays. But uh, when when we look at it as material specialists, we see materials. With the, uh, we see the fact that the bracelet is made out of a certain type of material, that the case may be made out of a very specific uh, metallic alloy, that it has consequences in terms of uh, why uh, this specific material has been chosen, uh, how it's going to impact the planet maybe on how uh, this material has been extracted, is it a good choice, etc., etc. So as material specialists, uh, we probably have eyes that do not look the same way as a non-material specialist would. I'm not saying that it is a be better way to look at things, of course, but it's it's one way to look at things yeah. uh, that, uh, um, well, makes our um, specificity, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and maybe it is, though, a, a better way, right? I mean, we're advocating, obviously, here we want people to understand the world around them. And this, if it's a watch... It's something you live in 24-7 when I did wear my watch. It's something I lived in for like 15 years on my body. And mm -hmm. so we're putting something on our body and to understand and know what it is and what it's made from and what it is that's touching. I, I thought it was really interesting that you guys kind of picked a watch as representative, something we all wear and touch and feel and have, but may know very little, if anything, about other than the function. Yeah. Right? Um do you think in terms of how you guys work with brands to understanding all those pieces and parts, what does the process look like so that a watch can become a watch with all those complex pieces? I guess our process of working with any company is really about understanding them and their brand, their intentions, um, their current situation, and then looking at alternatives and what could be better or worse. And I think to, to Elodie's point about the watch, as much as we perhaps see it differently, we're also thinking about the potential or the replacements or the alternatives or a lot of the other connections to the physical um, processes, uh, trends all of that and I think you also mentioned that you used to wear one Elodie used to wear one I used to wear one why are we not wearing them like what are we using instead of like there's definitely um a lot of interesting connections between uh materials and the future well through material lenses uh as you just said it's it's one way again it's not the only one but that's ours to look at the world and see what it could be. The materials are a good starting point to imagine what else it could be, in a way, yeah. I guess along those lines, what do you think, um, how, how do companies approach you? And what, um, what do you classify yourself as? I know material specialist, but what's your specialty in the material rank? You know, you have the composites, you have the other different aspects. Yeah. So it's it's funny you say that because we've been asked that a lot recently and we really it seems like a cop out to say that there isn't a specialty but there kind of isn't. When you and that's intentional as well because what what one you can't be everything 
Well, you, you can't necessarily know as much as a watch company does about watches, but what you can know are other industries and properties and performance, and then apply that knowledge to what they're trying to do or to push them or um, uh, encourage them in different ways. And I think um, in terms of how we start with them, it's really getting to know them just in a similar way that we're talking now. You know, we, and it's sort of, in line with the philosophy of Hilo is like we we love what we do and we want to work with people that um, that we enjoy. And so it's really like making sure you, you know, you have a connection or a vibe with these people and then, you know, you're going to create something good together. When you said, you know, that you love materials and you were talking about all the different backgrounds and ex expertise that it brings together, what was your background in order to be able to command and understand, in theory, everything about materials? Mm -hmm. Well, we, we'll, we all share a designer background uh, in various fields, but uh, there is design somewhere. Mm -hmm. Some of us have a uh, another kind of uh, knowledge as well, um, and we have our areas of, of specialties. But, uh, yeah, the fact that we are designers to start with, I think it's a, it's a key uh, thing for us um, sharing this uh, background because we're not only material... I don't know, scientists or uh, engineers, are, but we have this design view uh, that helps us, um, well, completely understand the, the process and, and, and the companies that we are working with, I think. I mean, my background is education, actually. So I was a home economics teacher. Hmm. Um, so I taught a lot of food technology and also a lot of textiles, um, did a bit of wood and metal as well. So I think um, that has definitely helped in terms of being able to communicate somewhat abstract concepts or really advanced uh, scientific uh, properties to, to make them more understandable. And I think... Um, I definitely found that doing uh, practical activities, like having students weave cloth, would help them understand versus just a slide that said, this is a plane weave, this is a twill. So I think we bring that thinking or that process to the work that we do as well, meaning that not everyone is going to know everything about materials. Often our audience is designers or our clients are designers. So you can't be going in with a hugely technical um, vernacular because it won't necessarily translate. So what have you found really effective? Like it's so hard. We always do that too, whether it's someone in the digital space who can't touch it or someone with no background in it. What have been the good tools of how you explain it? Is it getting them to touch and feel it? Is it kind of using a high level metaphor to get their head around what it is and why it will or will not work in their bigger picture? Um, I guess that's another thing that brings the Hilo together is food. And so we've definitely <laughs> found that there's most usually an analogy or some kind of relation that you can join with food and with process, um, material process. Um, we've talked a lot about extruding fibers is similar to pasta making or um, in exploring the thermoplasticity of plastics is similar to chocolate, uh, to tempering chocolate. So there's definitely a lot of conne connections that you can draw there. Oh, this is great. Keep going. I've got like the blog articles that I need yeah, to write absolutely. now of how you can explain um, this to people. That's and it's, yeah, it's, we joke about it, but we all we definitely love food. So it's uh, definitely something that brings us together. Well, speaking of food, we have some incredible food in front of us. What did you bring and why did you bring it? 
well, obviously we brought chocolates. <laughs> uh, one, I cannot live without it. So if I don't have one piece of chocolate in my bag, it's just not a good day for me. Um, and I brought you some chocolate from France, from Paris, from Alain Ducasse and the Manufacture du Chocolat, uh, which of course is a place where it make, they make it look like it exists since... I don't know the 18th century, uh, but it's 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 brand new in terms of a brand. But the chocolate is really really good, and the one that you have here is a milk chocolate because not all of uh, the people do appreciate very dark chocolate. So I chose this one, but it's a 55% chocolate but milk chocolate. So it's a kind of an in between milk and dark that is quite interesting, I think. We also bought you some. Um, well, licorice from Denmark, because uh, I love them as well. <laughs> and they combine licorice, you have to like that, of course, and chocolate, which is a surprising combination in between a very sweet and uh, a little bit of abrasive taste of the licorice. And then those are strange because they are passion fruit flavored, and the other one is a salted caramel plus licorice. And then there is also a very French uh, thing, which is uh, a mustard from Maille, which is a, a famous brand in France for the for the mustard, uh, the unavoid unavoidable brand. Uh, and this one is a brand new one, and they have uh, uh, come up with this recipe of honey mustard mustard plus balsamic vinegar, and it's amazing. Well, I think so. That's well, this looks unbelievable and I think indicative of the diversity of food from different parts of the world, which we'll have to get into because I know you're all from different parts of the world to bring that to your trade. So appreciate this. We'll dive in now back after this. The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code MOUTHMEDIASEN, that's MOUTHMEDIA, S-E-N-N, at checkout. You can find us on social media Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. And hear all of our episodes on materialisyourbusiness.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. delicious food from around the world. And, uh, you know, I think I, I know that you guys all come from diverse backgrounds around the world. How did you come together with Hilo and from where in the world? Um, I think that uh, particularly in Europe, there's quite a connection or at least an awareness of other material consultants and um, other material people. Um, so I was um, lucky enough to go to Milan this year for Design Week and I met um, quite a few people there and I guess that's where uh, – particularly talking to Elodie and um, Efrad, another one of our, our material people, um, we sort of started to think about the idea of joining forces and stop being competitors and start um, cooperating with each other and sharing knowledge, and that's really how, how it was born. 
That's interesting. You said kind of being competitors, but coming together and, and kind of obviously this is a space with so much innovation that we see and talk about every day that's going on. Um, but what for you guys was kind of the heart and soul of the value proposition of what made you different from either anyone that out there, anything you're focusing on in particular? Uh, I think as to Elodie's point earlier, it really is uh, the fact that we we're all ex-designers that is common to us. And it's not like we sought that out. It, it just sort of, it, it came to be. And um, I think that... Um, we're less serious. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we do like to joke a bit. And um, which is similar to the food point that we were talking about earlier. We didn't really realize that that was another thing we had in common, but it was something that drew us to each other. And uh, yeah, I think that some of us were definitely direct competitors before we we joined together pitching for the same projects. And so it was the realization that... Um, you know, we every, one one person can't know everything that there is to know about materials. But when you bring a lot of those people together, you also bring with them their network of connections, their their knowledge, and it's sort of in line with the whole sharing economy that's that's happening now. Like we're sharing cars, we're sharing apartments, we're sharing um, appliances. So why couldn't we share knowledge and business? In yeah. Our case. Yeah. yeah, and I think uh, we've definitely seen how it enhances the result for the client to have uh, everyone build upon uh, other other people's knowledge and experience. And the fact that we're coming from different countries, it's amazing to see the differences in uh, how we address the projects. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a very uh, educative. Well, for me, it's been uh, yeah, it's constantly learning how the others address a project uh, would. A tackle a question and it, it it's it's much richer than staying on your own in your own uh, thing so doing your own things so that's uh, so mostly you're 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 stationed in your own countries and you just collaborate via email and communication yeah thanks to many different uh applications or softwares that are allowing us to very easily uh, discuss uh, from one part of the world to the other. It's true that probably like, I don't know, even like 15 or 10 years ago, it would have been much more difficult to do so. But now it's so easy to work um, long distance and meeting from time to time. Um, yeah, that's that's like you're to work in New York. Yeah, yeah. Like for, here in New for York. client meetings. And yeah, yeah. So I'm always curious kind of when you're looking at different projects that you're kind of bidding on and there are different clients around the world, are you starting to see kind of shifts or changes in like appetites and behavior for certain type of materials, certain understanding of materials, certain kinds of projects? Are, are there any trends going on right now? Macro? Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not going to sound too pessimistic or <laughs> by saying that, but uh, what amazes me in a way is that I've been doing this kind of this job for like more than 15 years now almost 20 and it's it's still the same questions <laughs> with a slight evolution in terms of question of sustainability of course and and uh and companies are going very slowly to my taste uh, and compared to what's happening within the world it's it's kind of like there is a gap that needs to be filled and uh 
and and I guess that uh, we're quite eager to help them do that. How do you so it seems and you're right, like on the one hand, people are being kind of slow to adopt some of these new things. But on the other hand, there are such incredible innovations in materials and manufacturing going on, putting aside even the sustainability, which we're all for, but um, such fascinating new stuff that they can do things that traditional materials can't do. Um, How do you get these bigger partners and the spores and an advantage for smaller players to be able to start to think about how to use these things and differentiate themselves and stand out. Why aren't they all doing it? Good question. <laughs> I guess everything comes down to money. Uh, when you are selling stuff and it works, kind of, why would you change anything until the day it stops working? And then suddenly... So, um, again, this is being very uh, general, Um, Many companies already are thinking about what tomorrow is going to be and trying to anticipate that and work on that. And many companies are changing stuff or new companies are emerging, startups and who already have understood what it could be. So I'm not trying to make a very dark picture, but I think there is such a margin of progression here that in a way it's great for us because there are so many things to be done that uh, we hope we can be part of at least a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. I guess work with a lot of materials in different type of industries. Is there any in particular that just you fa- you're fascinated by? That's always the tricky question. Yeah. What is your favorite material <laughs> or what are the latest? Uh, there are so many things in, in many fields. I mean, I have a bias toward textiles. I think that, um, people are starting to appreciate them for more than just soft goods and fashion. And I think that's been really exciting to see, particularly how they can be molds for concrete in the construction industry, how they can be um, a substrate for electronics. I think there's, it's going to be interesting to see how that changes and, and continues to evolve. Um, hmm. On my side, I think I have a little bit of a weakness for losers. So I would say that plastics are a kind of material, family of materials, uh, wrongly named in a way, by the way, because a plastic is just one of their characteristics, but it's polymers. I think it's, it's a fascinating family because uh, everybody is just like... Uh, putting so much on their shoulders and and saying that they are bad materials. And I like the fact that they're not obligatorily bad, uh, that there are many things to be done with plastic, that plastics can be fantastic. Um, And so uh, I I would, in a way, I'm a little bit of an advocate for them, uh, trying to defend them. Uh, And for instance, they can be recycled. uh, and, And that's something that, some materials cannot say the same. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I like that kind of things. And I like the fact that uh, uh, probably the future holds uh, quite many changes in terms of how we see materials and uh, the the hierarchy there is in between materials. Uh, we put some materials like uh, at the top of uh, the, the 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 value chain yeah yeah and and this is going to to change uh this is already changing but uh and that that is going to be fascinating to 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 see that when you think of material innovation you always think of like 
Nike or Apple? I mean, are there any brands maybe outside of the ones we would all think of that you think are really getting it right, that are knowing how to think about things in the future, how to implement, whether they're your clients or not? Are there any ones we can look to that are that are challenging the traditional ways of designing, building things in any industry? And if not, maybe that, that says something too, right, where, you know, people are starting to be the end consumer and the brand's fascinated about it, but there's room for that dominant player or people to come out to start to think about these things and, and challenge the old school ways and maybe not be as concerned with money and take on a riskier project and, and really stand out. We always mm-hmm. talk about how, like, the kind of emerging designers in any industry can start to define themselves. And maybe this is one opportunity against the big brands and the bigger players where they can really make a move. I think there there is something to that in terms of startups don't necessarily have capital that's in a machine that's, um, you know, tied down to a factory somewhere that's very difficult to change. And so I think there's opportunity for them to really start with the material and innovate there versus starting with the product and then trying to switch out the materials to, to get a point of difference. So I think there's something in that field for sure. Um But we, I mean, earlier, to Elodie's point earlier, we've talked a lot about how there's not really good or bad materials. There's just um, good or bad ways to use them. And so I think that that's an area of innovation for anybody. Um, Some of my favorites are um, companies like Bang & Olufsen, who perhaps aren't aren't necessarily, I mean, they're not one of our clients, but um, they'd like, we'd like them to be, but... um, I think they've definitely, they have an appreciation or a way to express the materials in their products that I'm not sure, um, well, that I think sets them apart from some of their competitors, the way that they combine different materials, the way they pay attention to all the details um, when they when they come together. Yeah, I think that the brands that, that I could be inspired by in terms of uh, materials and it, could be brands like uh, Interfa- Interface Floor, which is a, a company doing carpets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we can uh, really acknowledge the fact that for years now they uh, took a sustainable path, and they are really exploring that. and And this is something that I appreciate in a in a brand, uh, like really addressing these subjects for for real, because there is uh, so much greenwashing in the in the area. Uh, but but really uh, using innovative material is in fact rare. And mm-hmm. as you just said, it's like there are so many things that are available. How come they're not out there? Uh, but the fact is that it is quite difficult to change. Yeah. And how do we get those price points to come down? We always talk about, I mean, there are accelerators, there are platforms, there are incredible people like Stella McCartney who are putting money into different and fashion tech groups and other industries. But you're right, at the end of the day, it's the dollar and you're a business. (laughs) You can only afford it or you can't. But hopefully we see that shift now in the world where people are going to start to be consuming it more and prices will come down. That's our responsibility, all of us, to just... uh send the right signals in terms of uh, being consumers and choosing the stuff that we think are the right ones. And indeed, this is evolving quite fast. Uh, and uh, and I think that many companies are going to change um, the way they do because the consumer will want them to. Well, I think that's part of it too, is it's not 
necessarily about consuming more, but what if it's consuming in different ways or more thoughtfully? And I think part of that is educating consumers about materials and about their value or about, um, you know, the product and the effort that's gone into that. And so perhaps we consume in different ways. Yeah. I think the aspect of the, the blockchain right now, um, the vision of understanding the whole process of integrating, you know, a garment or a product is making consumers understand a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So it will it will help a lot into that textile aspect and having people take, choose this garment versus the other or this car versus the other. When it comes to your client, um, when they how is it that they approach you or they come come about and 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 asking what type of services they want or how do you, how does that chemistry work? I would say that most clients are actually looking for precise materials. That usually how it starts when they suddenly think like we need a material specialist. It's just, okay, I have this thing to do, uh, to make, to manufacture. And what am I going to use as a material? Or I have problems because the price of this material has gone up so much that we need to find a replacement. That happens quite often. Uh, so it's it's most of the time very very uh, precise questions about one type of material and it turns out that once we get to meet them and discuss well it's just the tree that is just uh hiding the forest uh like problems are maybe elsewhere and and much bigger than just the choice of one material so it's the key entry for us but uh, most of the time it, it just spreads to many other things as we're kind of looking at blockchain and RFID and sustainability, any predictions for the future? Things that either you're kind of hot about or that you think is kind of an untapped opportunity that you guys are starting to explore? We have this series of mini lecture that is actually called After Tomorrow, what, what materials uh, are going to, to be for after tomorrow. So that could answer your question. We are addressing the question in various different ways. Um, and it starts with a, uh, several scenarios of what tomorrow could be. Um, it's not always very uh, optimistic either, but uh, yeah, some the future holds uh, many potential, uh, well, I know outcomes. Um, but again, sustainability, which is a broad word, but uh, <laughs> is. Um, is a key question for the future. And I think, too, all of the connected technologies, like giving materials more function than they have, like additives to do this or um, uh, conductive this to connect it or store data. Like there's just a lot that's going on, on, and I think it's really the combination of various materials or elements that is is going to, to really look to the future. And by that I mean... Um, like either composites themselves or combining this and that that makes them way more powerful, superhero powers. Um, I think that that could be interesting. And then, of course, there's also all of the biofabrication that's going on as well. That's really interesting. So it's not really in one area. It's similar to your question about asking us our favorites. We don't have a favorite. We're tracking various themes, and sometimes they converge, but um, – but yeah, living materials, stuff yeah, that are alive, that's true. is something that it's uh, 
quite interesting how how biotechnologies uh, mm -hmm. chemistry bio whatever <laughs> brings life to materials able to grow on their own to self repair to and there is this behind that i think there is uh, on one hand the fact that we could try to um, have a, a reply to the fact that resources are not infinite on Earth. So we believe that by having materials grow for ourselves, then maybe we will solve the question of resources being finite, which may not be a solution anyway, but to be discussed. And also this idea of human humans becoming immortal or having ways to repair themselves and and yeah that uh that could be one scenario for the future but one of the scenario as well is everything will just crash because <laughs> so the question of materials will not <laughs> be a question unless anymore, we but... get on that plane to mars <laughs> yes. and we can all live out there yeah. with totally new kinds of materials yeah. so that's yeah exploring space and uh and uh yeah living on mars for instance could be an option and there are a lot of people working on that like materials with within this idea of space exploration and also this dream of finding new materials, materials that we've never mm. even encountered before, that are not part of the periodic table of elements that we know of. Martian mm -hmm. sulfur, I'm fascinated by it. It's yeah. stronger, harder, dries quicker than on Earth, <laughs> and it's like this magic. So we're just going to build our concrete houses out of Martian sulfur yeah, yeah, when we yeah. go to Mars. Yeah. With a 3D printing system, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, problem solved. Future's yeah, ours. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Well, um, we will talk more shortly about getting connected and get a little more personal right after this. Welcome to the All Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. And now, it's Remnants. When I talk about materials, and when I've, um, I've spoken and related with our, uh, friends that are material specialists, they, they give me details on to there are materials that decompose in the ground after you know after their lifespan is there anything unique that you're working on along those lines or do you have any interesting materials that we could talk about well there are many materials that are um called biodegradable so they're supposed to degrade 
You have to be careful though, because it doesn't mean that they are actually one going to degrade. Because for those materials to degrade, you have to gather the right conditions in terms of temperature, uh, um, humidity, etc. And biodegradability does not guarantee the fact that once it is degraded, it will actually be a, uh, a compost uh, nourishing enough for a plant, for instance, to grow out of that. So it, it, it means that you have to be very careful when you select a material and, and, and look for the compostable and not the only biodegradable stamp uh, on that. But there are, of course, many researches made um, on, in, in that area because it, it could be one way to close the, the loop, of course. Uh, which is quite a good idea, but uh, yeah, it, it needs caution. And and but in that area, polymers, for instance, um, uh, several of them can uh, offer such uh, such uh, qualities of degradability. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have here some very yeah, those, interesting well, samples you brought those, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Actually, they may be. Uh, <laughs> Compostable in a way, uh, because uh, like this one is, for instance, it's a hundred percent. You would say natural, even though within the world of material, I'm always uh, not very uh, happy when I use the word natural because in a way everything is or is not. But uh, this one hasn't been transformed much. Well, the sample is a little bit tired, but uh, it shows that it's fragile. But it's actually just a slice of a mushroom. So it's called muskin. It's the skin of a mushroom uh, coming from uh, mm. South America. So mushroom? Big, big mushrooms growing on, on trees. Um, and, uh, and it is kind of a material that you could use. So far, there aren't that many uses for it. Uh, but why not? And this one should indeed degrade. Uh, this one uh, is, is quite nice as well. It's, it's a rabbit fur. So it's a piece of rabbit. Well, you don't see it, you guys who are listening, but uh, it looks like a, uh, a panther or that's, that's yeah. just printed. But, but the, this rabbit is, is quite an interesting story because this is animal uh, fur. And uh, the, the idea behind that is the, the species of rabbit that um, is behind that used to only be uh, for food. So they were using the meat but then they were throwing away the rabbit fur because I don't know if you know, but within the fur industry, rabbit is not the best fur. It's just like the fur for the poor people. Um, it's not um, very uh, nice. Um, and this one has been engineered crossing species so that it provides good meat plus great fur. So it's a fur that is competing with uh, Vison or Chanchilla, the best fur ever. And you can look at it very uh, with di with different eyes in a way. One way to look at it is to say it's great because it's even a way to preserve biodiversity. You don't have to go uh, in the north, kill uh, animals that are endangered species to get a great fur. You just have uh, a rabbit uh, fur, and we know that rabbits do reproduce themselves quite easily. So it's it's nice, and it preserves biodiversity. You can also look at it with the eyes of someone that is anti-fur and doesn't want anything to do with animals, so it could be a bad material in that sense. 
And uh, so it's, it shows that it's difficult to evaluate what materials are unless you have used them, unless you have beliefs and stuff like that. And one thing as well is very recently, they also showed the conditions uh, within which the rabbits were, uh, well, uh, I don't know, uh, hosted, I would say. Uh, and it's not such great conditions. So it's been a kind of a scandal saying that it was uh, a trade outrageous to 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 keep animals like that so for one type of material how many like uh, species and and reasons you can you can add and uh, discuss it's um it shows that it's a very complex uh, yeah. decision yeah i think we lost all our vegans at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 well, probably further to the mushroom though this is an interesting area of study because there's so many different people trying to create leather alternatives yes. and you mentioned Stella Accartney as obviously being a real advocate for that but we've seen it with growing bacteria um, with uh, mushrooms with pineapple leaves as alternatives and I think that could be an interesting area to watch in the future how how how's the strength on it can test it. It's, yeah. it's, this one is quite fragile. But uh, speaking of mushrooms, you now have insulation materials, packaging materials made out of mushrooms that are different from the, from those, and are quite uh, like already on the market. So it's it's already happening. Um, Although, again, the question of like uh, leather replacement, it's, it's, it's debate going yeah, on definitely. because uh, leather can also be seen as a byproduct of meat. And anyway, those guys are killed. So it's, it's, it's better if you kill an animal to use everything rather than put the skin aside. It would be ridiculous. So, again, depending on your point of view and your beliefs, you can definitely choose stuff that are completely different. And it's, it's difficult to reason with that actually a very good way to look at it when you're looking at we had so much controversy on 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 fur but if you're like looking at it, the rabbit fur if you're already killing the animal because you're providing food for some people why not utilize the skin yeah so. well people are going to tell you that uh, anyway they do not eat meat anymore so they, they don't want the skin that goes with it of course uh, yeah it's, it's complex yeah well, the possibilities are endless um, with materials, which is probably what makes it so exciting it because yeah. you constantly can change and iterate and move depending on tastes, passions, technology, science, <laughs> math, all the excite kind of exciting convergence of everything. Um, putting aside kind of the those more technical questions and asking more personal questions, um, from time you guys were a child, was there any particular material, something you touched, something you felt that stood out that you remember uh, long now as being kind of the first experience with materials, tactile, sense? Uh, I would say that mine was more negative. Touching velvet still gives me the shivers and I have no <laughs> idea why, but that's one that's very strong, a very strong negative reaction to me. Um, and then, again, like textiles was kind of the thing. Growing up in Australia, it was very much women do sewing. And so that was my first experience with textiles and with making and with materials. I don't know. To be honest, it's uh, – I don't know why because I guess that being a so-called material specialist, I should have answers ready for such things, uh, like my favorite one or the one from my childhood. But um, Anything that surprised you when you touched it, that it wasn't what you expected it to be, that people who only have seen it digitally or mm. pictures might not know? Well, I think that's one of the things of the soft materials. Uh, 
by soft, I mean not fabric, but because in French it would be the uh, matériau mou, mou, uh, and soft. Sometimes in English it, it doesn't have the same meaning, but like gels or like mm. uh, uh, jelly-like materials. Uh, this is something that is quite fascinating when you address those materials. Is that there is a kind of like a, a, a hate, hate and love uh, relationship with them. And what is uh, also surprising is that that kind of material calls for touching. Like when you see a jelly-like material, you have to touch it. What is surprising is that when you look at a material like wood, metal, your eyes and your brain is trained to what it's going to feel like. You kind of already know what it's going to feel like without even having to touch it. With the jelly-like materials, you never know how soft they are going to be. They could also be kind of like, I don't know, sticky or strange. And there is this, yeah, fascination with it and you have very uh, a lot of difficulties not to touch them to evaluate how uh, jelly-like they can be, and that's that's quite amazing. Yeah. What kind of material is the most kind of challenging to work with or to find a solution and work around when people want to implement it? Any particular one that's been kind of difficult, requires more thought? I think that, unfortunately, like every area, if every uh, question about materials is a challenge uh, because if if a material is uh, is used at some point for a certain uh, reason, um, finding replacement is not that easy. Uh, so it's each time it's kind of a challenge. Um, sometimes, unfortunately, we cannot find uh, better solutions, but in a way, it's interesting to make sure that there is no other better solution. Um, and sometimes it's also very frustrating because we find solutions and for a tiny, tiny reason, it doesn't work. Sometimes it's the price, often it's the price. But I remember one, um, one case study that uh, Efrat worked on, uh, one of our co-founder, and she worked on a plastic replacement polymer that was supposed to uh, replace a clear plastic in a coffee machine. And the, the material she found was um, much more sustainable um, and uh, cheaper, worked very well on the process uh, uh, steps and the, like the injection machine. Everything worked well. She even went to China, followed the whole production process. Everything was ready. And the material was not chosen because the this part was supposed to withstand, I think, 80 cycles of washing, of washing in, a, in, a, in a dishwasher. And the one that they chose as a replacement, I think only qualified 75 cycle instead of 80. And it, everything went down. And you're just like, guys, like, is it is it the right reason? But this is what happened. But on the personal side, what type of personality you would like to replace? What do you dislike of somebody that you would like to replace? And that, you don't have to say particularly somebody, <laughs> just a personality out of the personality traits. I guess it would be smugness for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think it would be uh, the, the impulse of people to say no before they say yes. 
And how often does that happen? You're right. It's like an instinct, right? We all say, oh, no, 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 no. And it's like, and now you have to flip it and say, well, then if you can't do it, find yeah. the person who can. Well, it's like improv. You say yes and. like So I think that could definitely change the material world if, if that was people's first response. But what you're questioning is, in fact, the resistance to change, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all going to practice that. Yes, and, and we're just going to just do exactly. it. Exactly. Yes, yep. and but. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining us. Um, how can our listeners connect with you and with Hilo? Um, hello at Hilo.com. <laughs> that's H-Y-L-O-H.com, right? Yes. Yeah, that's Perfect. right. And your website, uh, are you ever going to disclose more on it? We'll see. To be discussed. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. is a saying from Jean Cocteau, who is a French guy. Uh, saying that if this mystery is just too much for you, just act as if you are responsible for it. That may be what we're doing. It's mysterious, but uh, we are responsible for it. Yeah. Magic secrecy. Thank you so much. Thank you. thank you. And thank you guys for listening. For Samantha Cortez. Adios. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Back soon on Material Is Your Business. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.